I get knocked down, but I get up again. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. You can try to trip him with a sandbag, but you're not going to stop Joe Biden. This week, he went from rescuing the debt ceiling crisis from GOP arsonists who threatened to tank the global economy to blowing away expectations with the latest jobs report, bringing his scorecard to 13 million jobs created so far, more than any former president in a full four-year term. That's our candidate for 2024. Be very proud. On the other side, the leading candidate is the greatest threat to national security this country has ever seen. And Lordy, there are tapes. This week, we learned that Jack Smith's converging on Trump with audio tapes from Bedminster. Now, this is being covered as the likely end of Smith's Mar-a-Lago investigation, which is absolutely huge, but I also see it as the convergence of the two investigations. And I have the best person here to tell me if I'm right. And there's plenty of shame to go around in the GOP. From Florida to Uganda, they're spreading their hate around the world. With the start of Pride Month, this fascist movement is trying to play both sides, but they are not fooling anyone. They've opened the way for international bad actors to enact the most regressive and horrific laws. So we're definitely gonna shine a light on that. What a treat. I'm joined now by Michael Popak, host of Legal AF, top civil litigator, trial lawyer. I am so thrilled to have you on with me today, Michael. Uh, I, this, is, this is a dream come true for me. You and I started, I'm sure you remember, as like Twitter Twitter pals. I don't know if that's a thing, but I'm, but I'm making it a thing. And and I, I tweeted at you about something that had developed well in your career and in your life, and and you tweeted back to me. And that's how we started. This is way before you joined the Midas Touch Network and became a fellow podcaster with me. And then, you know, we've just stayed in touch and had a lot of conversations about things that matter to America. And you've been so supportive of Legal AF. You've had, of course, Ben, you're, you're one of your co-anchors. You've had Karen Friedman at Niflo. I was sort of jealous. And now I'm like, okay, now it's my turn. I get to go on Lights On. So thank you very much for having me on. So happy. Yeah, you, you, Michael, I mean, this is no secret to the luminaries and legal AFers. Michael is the most gracious, gracious, kind human being. And uh, yeah, aside from being an excellent lawyer and podcaster, he's just an amazing person. So I should get off now. This is where I get off the podcast. <laughs> it, is it only the good night, everybody? It only goes down. <laughs> yeah, that's a very kind and gracious thing for you to say. But that's but um, the one nice thing about Midas Touch Network is that it does attract, it's like a reef that attracts all sorts of really like-minded, not, not identical, but really like-minded people and um, uh, human, just human, good human beings that also share an interest in democracy and in justice um, and in, in our global involvement as you do in this particular show. So again, the fact that you were onboarded as a podcast is such a natural for you and for us. And um, you know, I, I'm a little bit, you know, might get out of my comfort zone on a couple of the topics today, but I'm going to do my best. It's okay. We like to do that. We, okay. I, I have a knack for, for taking, no, it's okay. I, I will be gentle. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start. I'm so excited to start this topic with you of, of the Jack Smith investigation into Mar-a-Lago and what came out this week with that exclusive report from CNN, that there are audio recordings of of Donald Trump bragging about having a Pentagon, classified Pentagon document in his possession. This is in, in 2020, 2021. Um, 
the the backstory of this is so interesting to me. And I talked in the open about how I think this is really a convergence of the two investigations, because what's going on is um, Mark Meadows has these two people who are helping him write his autobiography, visiting Trump at Bedminster. And Trump notoriously has these phone calls or conversations that he has with people recorded because he's paranoid about people saying he said something he didn't. So he has this aide, Margot Martin, record this conversation that he's having with the people helping Mark Meadows write his book. And while he's doing it, he's trying to rebuff reporting that had just come out in The Atlantic um, about Mark Milley being concerned that Donald Trump was going to launch an all-out attack on Iran um, to stay in power, to just create, fabricate this military crisis to stay in power. And of course, that goes to the other um, investigation of Donald Trump's attempts to overturn the election and do anything to keep himself as the dictator of America. So Donald Trump is upset with this reporting in the in the Atlantic, and he um, brags about having this classified document. Um, and of course, all of the reporting is talking about how it's not just uh, evidence. We already have, of course, evidence that he had all these classified documents, but his knowledge. Uh, that there was a process that needed to be followed to declassify because he says during this, allegedly during this um, conversation that, that Jack Smith now has a recording of, that he knows there is a process and he doesn't know if he can share it because it is classified. Um, tell me, Michael Popak, what you gleaned from this exclusive reporting and where you think it, it leaves us with these yeah. two investigations. Well, first of all, I like your convergence analysis, and I'll, I'll try to pick up with that. So just for those that watch us around the globe, <clears throat> it is highly unusual. In fact, I can't ever remember either in my lifetime or in learning about it in my studies where a, a chairman of a joint chiefs of staff called his counterpart a general in China to tell him, don't worry, we're not going to let Donald Trump <clears throat> push the nuclear button and he's out of control, but but we are going to be the last line of defense. And this this relationship is going to help save the world. This for those that follow at home, this is not normal. You normally don't have your your top level general calling his counterparts, trying to protect the world from a madman in what it, in in how he saw the commander in chief or the outgoing commander in chief, <clears throat> pardon me, Jessica, sure. Donald Trump. Right, this doesn't happen, and it happened for a reason. As we we had the quote up earlier, when Salty, our producer, put it up, Mark Milley saw him as Hitler in yep. the bunker, the Reichstag moment for Adolf Hitler. This is who he thought he was reporting to. And that so pissed off Donald Trump, who never wants anyone else to be in the limelight, did not want Mark Milley, who he thought had taken a, um, had gotten into the front seat with the media in a way that, that Trump did not like. And so to try to pay him back during this meeting with the, with the people getting together for the Mark Meadows memoir, he, he pulled out a document that said, uh, that that um, Milley wanted to go to war with Iran. And he acknowledged that it was classified. He acknowledged that he did not declassify it before he left office and then about whether he could show it or not. Now, that recording by Margot Martin, his aide, 
who recorded all of these conversations, apparently, who testified to the grand jury and turned over all of her recordings back in March. The lawyers for Donald Trump and his advisors have been very worried about that recording and that when it would be strategically leaked by Jack Smith, which is what we've been seeing. For those that are wondering, hey, in the beginning, we didn't hear anything about the investigation. And now every day, there's a new piece of information that's in the press. Why is that? That's because the prosecutors are putting pressure on other witnesses like Walt Nauta, the valet for Donald Trump, and on Donald Trump and his lawyers themselves by putting out these key choice pieces of evidence into Mm -hmm. the media for you and I and others to report on. So so you think it's the investigators themselves that are leaking this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, on purpose. This is a strategic, okay. st- you know, and Karen and I talked about it on our podcast. It's a strategic set of leaks on purpose in yeah. order to put pressure on on various witnesses and, and on Donald Trump. Now, his advisors were very concerned about this audio, more concerned after the CNN town hall where Donald Trump, knowing about this recording and knowing about showing this document to people when he said, um, I, I, uh, not really, I may not really have showed any, you know, he stumbled on that area and his advisors were slapping their forehead because they knew that was not true. And also at the heart of it, yes, it's the classified, not classified, but that doesn't matter. As we've said on the legal AF from espionage act, which does not require a classification issue. All it requires is the retention and the distribution and the showing of national security material. Whether that national security material bears a classified or top secret marking or not, it doesn't matter. And and this is the the convergence is, is we have a double convergence. We've got the obstruction charge, right? Him obstructing, obstructing justice by his failure to return this material. And then you've got the espionage charge, which just the retention and use and dissemination of the national security material kind of coming together. And then what they're trying to do, Jessica, is the prosecutors are trying to find the why. Why is Donald Trump holding on to these things? It's not just mementos. So is he trying to curry favor with foreign powers? That's the foreign power subpoena set that's out there because he had a lot of foreign power stuff. Is he doing that because he's trying to use it in a transactional way in his in his private life? So they want to know that. Is he worried about something else? Is he they, they're trying to get motive because they know he did it. They know he misled his lawyer, Evan Corcoran. They know he, he he hid things in his desk drawer and moved boxes in and out of storage rooms into Bedminster. But they're still grappling with the why. Why did Donald Trump do this? And that's where you're seeing the pressure being put on witnesses, including Margot Martin, Walt Nauta, and others. I have a couple questions for you there. So the the motive issue, I mean, the why would really be icing on the cake, wouldn't it? I mean, they don't really need to know his actual motive to prove mens rea, the, the knowledge of this willful retention of documents that he wasn't supposed to have, right? Well, well, you're yes, yes and no. Uh, it, it, for To get to willfulness, uh, you know, these are terms of art in the law, to get to willfulness and knowledge and what we call mens rea or, or a criminal mind, you generally need, it would be better if you had a motive, all right, uh, to show intent. He did it because... To say that he did it because I just like, I'm a pack rat. See, this this is where you end up. I'm a pack rat, and it was just mine. Everything's mine, mine, mine. I liked it. I kept it. And it's just mine. 
Okay, you could continue to make that argument on willful because he kept it from the National Archive, then he kept it from the Department of Justice, then he kept it from the FBI. I mean, he did a lot of that, which goes to your point. And that's the yes. The no is it would be better if they could give the jury the rationale for it. And if the rationale is also a crime, currying favor with foreign powers, using it for his business uh, his businesses and all that, then that that's like you said, that that's like a home run. That's that's icing, icing on yeah. the cake. But but one one last thing before we move off that particular topic that I found very, very interesting on the um, on the We're not going to move quickly. I have more questions for you. Oh, OK, OK, good. <laughs> on the mark, your, your question might actually uh, back into to this comment I'm going to make. But let me, let me see what I can do on the um, on the Mark Milley stuff, the 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 other reason that this is so bad for Donald Trump and so good for justice in America, the existence yeah. of this tape, is because it blows out several legs of his defense stool. It rips them out one by one. So the defense stool of I can declassify anything I want and I did all that before I left the, the White House, which would have to be on the 19th of January. Well, that's a lie because he had a document after that that he said was classified that he hadn't declassified. So that's out the door. The um, I don't um, I there was a mistake. It was overpacking by my people and I didn't know what I had. Well, that's a lie because that can't be used any longer because he whipped out this. He's obviously gone through his inventory and pulled out, you know, uh, uh, a Margo or whoever. Get, get me a, get me a Coke and get me the Mark Milley document uh, that shows that he wanted to go to war with Iran. I mean, he knew his documents so well that he could find it in order to bring it out. Right. It's not the only document he had. He had hundreds of documents. So he had them somehow cataloged in his desk drawer. So that goes out the door. That defense goes out the door. And the problem with all of that um, is that and these are all national security items, is that these are defenses that his lawyers, Tim Parlatore, now departed because of these revelations. Evan Corcoran, now gone. And now Jim Trustee has a problem. He's the last of the remaining lawyers that had any shred of credibility, had a past relationship with Jack Smith, a friendship with Jack Smith when they both worked in the Department of Justice. And that's now in tatters because Boris Epstein. Just, yeah, yeah, Boris Epstein. <laughs> Boris Epstein's busy blocking Bedminster searches by parlatory. But, but here... You know, uh, trustees um, wrote a whole letter to the House Subcommittee on Intelligence mm -hmm. telling them that it was an accident. You know, if there's anything in there, it's just a, it was overpacking. And then <laughs> Trump's like, no, I had the right and I could show them to people if I wanted to. So that's gone. And now trustees reduced Jessica to sending a letter, obviously dictated by Donald Trump, like a giant tweet. In, on a stationery, a law firm stationery that said Hunter Biden laptop, Joe Biden. And can't we have a meeting? Who writes a? I, I've been doing this for 32 years. Nobody writes a letter like that if you're doing white collar criminal defense of somebody like Donald Trump. You use your relationships and your reservoir of goodwill, if you have any of it, which it sounds like you don't, to pick up the phone and call your counterpart at the De Department of Justice and try to get a meeting. Those back channels are obviously dead to yeah. Donald Trump because of all of the attacking social media, attacking on prosecutors, judges, jurors, witnesses, former employees like the one I'm podcasting with and the rest. Dead. You know what else I hope is dead? <laughs> judges patience with Donald Trump's delay tactics once yeah. he gets indicted. I mean, I really hope that the, the entire judicial system sees this as a national security emergency and really puts puts a, you know, very quick stop to his attempts to gum up the works as this criminal proceeding 
you know, carries carries out. But what the last thing I wanted to ask you, I always have this question about when I hear espionage charge, which is what you believe, right, will likely be included in in the charging yeah. um, that comes out of the Mar-a-Lago investigation. Uh, isn't uh, isn't the espionage doesn't the espionage charge carry with it the prohibition from from um, holding office or not? No, no. I mean, frankly, wow. none none of these are going to be ultimately a disqualifier in and of themselves. Wow. But you'll have to go through the other constitutional amendments. Um, it's very, let's be frank, it's very hard. The founding fathers never envisioned a Donald Trump. They put a lot of guardrails around democracy with the checks and balances of our three co-equal branches of government. But they never envisioned somebody somebody exactly like this. So as a result, Donald Trump indicted, convicted, and sitting in jail could still run for office and get elected. It is not an automatic disqualifier. So the good news for our audience and for justice is that he's going to get indicted again. New York got him once. I think New York is going to get him again beyond Stormy Daniels. That was sort of the appetizer. That was the taster. That was, let's try this. Let's see how it works. Oh, it worked. We can indict a former president. Great. Let's go to the bigger one now. So that's Alvin Bragg. Fawny Willis is going to be indicting Donald Trump at the end of July. I don't think anybody who's a thinking person in my business thinks that that's not happening. That is happening. And it's probably going to be for racketeering and other things. That's her. Jack Smith, it could be my prediction based on what we've been hearing. As early as next week, we could have a Mar-a-Lago indictment. So he's going to be a thrice indicted, twice impeached, once adjudged sexual abuser by the time he runs for office. But he's not going to be convicted of anything. I don't, I'm not sure any of these trials are going to time out right. Maybe, maybe the one in front of Judge Mershon in New York on Stormy Daniels, because that's in the middle of the primary season. So by then, he could be a convicted, a convicted fraudster, a criminal fraudster. But it does not disqualify him under our Constitution from running from office and being elected. Wow. Yeah, it is. It's it's incredible how how. Uh, much we need to strengthen our constitutional guardrails against a character like this because um, it's it's being tested. It was tested so much during his presidency, and we are we are so not done. Um, but this is this is their best guy, as I as I say every week. This is their best guy, the guy who they refuse to distance themselves from, and even the ones that have like. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later, maybe for a few minutes about Chris Christie, who now seems to have some moral clarity. Well, I think Chris Christie had um, all of the experience in the world with Donald Trump prior to this moment and four years to to help this country save itself from Donald Trump. And now's a little bit late, Chris Christie. But um, before we go into that, I have one more question for you, because I, I love having you here to, to, to dive into all of my, my Mar-a-Lago Jack Smith questions. Do you think that Mark Meadows is cooperating with Jack Smith? You know, I, I, I wake up some days, uh, depending upon the side of the bed that I wake up on, uh, about Meadows. I used to think he was cooperating. I used to think that that's the reason he's been laying so low. And that's certainly, there is enough data points that would prove that. But you could also make the argument, and I think I come out on this one, that the reason we haven't seen him really in front of the grand jury, or at all, is because he's really the target of one of the targets of the criminal investigation. Both Fawny Willis's in Georgia, 
and Jack Smith's for, for, you know, he's got at least three or four grand juries going on, all things Jan 6th and what happened on the day of Jan 6th and leading up to Jan 6th. And Mark Meadows is right in the thick of that as well. He's right in the thick of the election interference and all the lawsuits and the fake elector scheme. He's there. That's that grand jury. He's Mar-a-Lago is probably the only one that he's not directly involved with, but he has his own burning documents in the fireplace problem. Um, I think today, the bedside that I woke up on, I think he's a target um, and he's not cooperating as of yet. All right. Well, I think it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so, he is like, he would be, if he was cooperating, he would be an extremely, extremely valuable witness. Um, I always, I tend to think that he might be. I also think back to the decision, the DOJ's decision not to follow through with that contempt charge uh, or the contempt recommendation from Congress. Um, but with all of. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. What, what, well, one other thing on that, I, that one, I think their hands were tied. They had enough DOJ memos dating back to the Obama era that really suggests that they couldn't bring that contempt charge against that particular in type of individual in the white house. But, but, I'm not ruling out the possibility that after he's indicted, because he's not playing in the sandbox now, I'm sure they reached out to try to get him to cooperate, but they're not getting what they want out of him. And so indicting him and then getting his cooperation, mm -hmm. that that's I think he ultimately does cooperate because I don't think he's willing like Bannon to go to jail for a few years to, yeah. to serve his president. But I don't think we're there yet. But that's hmm. my professional opinion based on everything that I've observed. Wow. So do you agree with all of the pontificators out there that we could be days away from an indictment, first indictments out of Jack Smith's investigation? Yes. Yeah, I think so. If it's not next week, and we were off on, um, we're pretty good. You know, we had yeah, uh, accurate accuracy, close. but not great precision uh, on uh, Alvin Bragg. We were off by yeah. like 10 days. It may not be next week, but it's going to be in the month of June. Because I think, frankly, and this isn't competition, but I think Jack Smith wants to get his indictment off the ground before Fawny Willis's yeah. July, end of July, early August indictment. Not because they're competitive, just because it's a lot easier for the feds if they're like the first one on these issues. Stormy Daniels is a different, a different issue. He's not going after that one. But on election, interference, Mar-a-Lago, documents, and this is, you know, this is his lane. This is Jack Smith yeah. alone. Phony Willis is not. State prosecutors are not involved with the retention of national security material and, um, and the Espionage Act and obstruction of justice. So that's his wheelhouse. I think we see it in, in mid, no later than mid-June. But, you know, well, I'll come back on the show if I'm wrong. <laughs> Summer of love. Love and law for Donald Trump. We love it. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Michael Popak. This episode is sponsored by Lomi. What's better than growing fresh vegetables right in your own backyard with nutrients that came right out of your kitchen? Well, it's all possible thanks to Lomi. Now that I have a Lomi, it's changed the way I think about my food waste. Lomi transforms my garbage into gold at the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns food scraps to dirt in under four hours. Now I love composting. Plus, it's make, made cooking at home even more fun. There's no food rotting in the garbage and smelling up the kitchen. Thanks to Lomi, I have much less trash to take out, and it's a hassle-free, mess-free experience. No leaking trash bags. 
And the best part is that my waste is being turned into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane gas. I get to help the environment and make my life easier. And all my food scraps, plant clippings, and even unwanted leftovers go back into my garden, helping me grow more nutritious food right in my backyard. I learned that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. By reducing the amount of food I send to landfill, I'm helping to do my part for the planet. So whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com lights and use the promo code lights to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com lights and use the promo code lights at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. Turn your food waste into dirt with a press of a button with Lomi. Use the code LIGHTS to save $50 at Lomi.com slash LIGHTS. So we'll go from, uh, from the absolute mess and disaster and treasonous uh, presidential field of the right to our badass democracy economy saving president joe biden uh i mean this week just can't get better for joe biden first off he saves saves us from a catastrophic default from these arsonists in the gop who were holding holding these the debt ceiling hostage in, in negotiations that should have never taken place to begin with it should have been separate but joe biden so deftly um so you know with all of the skill that his many years of experience in actual deal making have have given him uh brought this deal to fruition with very very few giveaways very few giveaways to the republicans um and and saved the 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 economy from collapse and then today we have these historic job numbers come out He's, he has created 13 million jobs under his presidency. That's more in his 28 months as president than any former president in a four-year term. Um, they only expected 190,000 jobs to be created in May and said it was 339,000. And then this afternoon, the Dow surged by 700 points. I mean, Popak, Biden doesn't get enough credit for all that he has done, does he? No. No, he is, he'll, he'll go. No, he'll go down in history. The domestic side is one of the finest presidents we've ever had. I say that without any irony or holdback. If you just line up, I'm in the Ron Klain camp, his former chief of staff. If you just line up all of his policy accomplishments just in two years, I'll put it like you said. I'll put him up against anybody else's four years. The things that able to accomplish far surpass even the Obama Biden administration in terms of domestic policy from from investment in, in infrastructure and education chip manufacturing um, natural gas and oil and pipelines um, you know the, the list just goes on and on I anybody that's driving around Republican Democrat independent or otherwise and see construction crews, municipal construction crews on your highways, local roads, schools, that is that is Biden money. Okay, that came from the Biden administration for shovel-ready projects from between the combination of the stimulus package and all these other infrastructure investments. 
Um, your local bridge is being worked on. That's Biden. Your local tunnel is. You have a new bridge. That's Joe Biden. Where do you think these things are coming from? And and along with that is jobs. So that's on the domestic front, okay? And everything's saved and salvaged in the budget deal, the debt ceiling deal that we'll talk about in a minute. On the on the foreign policy side, who he is masterfully navigating the the Ukrainian war with Russia or the Russian war with Ukraine in a way where, yes, there's lots of dollars being spent there, okay? But there has to be, because if you didn't, we're going to have to continue our theme today, another Hitler running through uh, the Balkans and taking st- and trying to reassemble the Soviet Union. That's how important it is. So we don't have American troops on the ground, other than advisors and other things. We do have material. We do have equipment. We do have systems. We have NATO united in a way that it's never been post-World post War II. Expanded uh, and fortified, the total opposite of yeah, what absolutely. Putin was trying to accomplish. Right. It's expanded, fortified Norway, Sweden. I mean, all these countries that have always been on the sidelines for hundreds of years yeah. have decided like, yeah, we don't want that to happen. Yeah, that's, to sounds we better- good. <laughs> We better get in there, too. So Joe Biden, and all they've got is, you know, he somebody put a sandbag on the stage and he tripped over it. You know, have more compassion and empathy for the guy. He's 80 years old. He is, he is it's him that's negotiating the debt ceiling with McCarthy. It wasn't, you know, somebody else in McCarthy. You know, Ted Cruz said he's gone. He's out of it. He's not there. He's not with it. So, uh, who is it? Who is it? Kamala Harris? I mean, I like Kamala, but she's not negotiating this. It's Joe Biden, 50 years of experience that and, and, to, and to keep his party together, the progressive wings and all the other wings together to get this deal. done. So I, if you just listed his accomplishments and you took away all of the mean spirited attacks on him and what they consider to be his frailty, which he's not. He's actually in very, very good health. But he's 80 years old, okay? And we can acknowledge that. I see that. I think you once said it on your podcast. That's experience. Exactly, yeah. Okay, I'm okay with it's age. It's an asset. His age I'm is not okay with, with whatever age DeSantis is supposed to be. And <laughs> and and his immature, juvenile um, approach to governing in a state that I lived in for 20 years. I'm not okay with that. It's not about age. It wasn't about, I didn't vote for Clinton because he was 42 or 45, whatever he was. And Bush was whatever that, that didn't enter the equation, but that's all they got with Joe Biden. You know, just the way people made fun of, you know, uh, Gerald Ford when he tripped going up air force one and, and, and that became his legacy. And, and that's all Donald Trump's got. We, wh- why don't we talk about all the photos of Donald Trump without his hair and makeup? Why don't we talk about him when he's windblown on his golf course yeah. and you see, and he looks more his like grandma, or grandma oh Trump than Donald Trump. The okay. images, the images, Michael, that we want to get out of our heads forever, that we just want to pretend like we never saw. You know which, you know which pictures we're talking about. <laughs> right. And so I don't, if that's what people are choosing their president on, or as Karen Friedman Ignifilo told me she saw when she was traveling in the, uh, in the South, she saw a, a hat, embroidered hat that said, I miss the mean tweets and the cheap gas. Okay, I don't. First of all, our gas is returning to normal. That has more to do with the war that's going on, which also creates jobs because of the money that's going through 
infrastructure and armament and military, our military industrial mm -hmm. complex is humming along, which is a lot of, you know, full employment act for those areas of the and the cities and towns that depend on Boeing and, you know, all the other defense manufacturers. We, it's the dirty little secret of war. But it does keep our economy humming. It always has. Mm -hmm. And so he's managing that well. He's got a Treasury secretary and a Fed Reserve chairman that work well together. You know, listen, do we need another few jobs or do we need lower inflation? That's that equation. That's the ca calibration that they're working on as part of the uh, the, the, the finance team for for. Uh, for Joe Biden. But if you just listed his accomplishments, the way historians will do five, 10 and 20 years from now, Biden will go down as a great president, bar none. Yeah. A few of the funny things. <laughs> well, well, one thing I was happy about in the debt deal is, you know, they, of course, wanted to, to claw back all of these additional resources for the IRS. I personally experienced how efficient the IRS was this year. I mean, literally, they picked up my phone call immediately. Two years ago, I was on hold with the IRS, I think, for something like four hours before somebody yeah, and he picked did, up. And and he did a great job in this current, you know, we talk about the debt ceiling. So let me clear up something quickly because there's no ceiling. Okay. Debt ceiling sounds like in order to solve a debt ceiling problem, you got to be under the ceiling, right? You got to be less than this imaginary number that the government has put on itself, right? But that's not, that's not the deal. The deal is there's no debt ceiling. It is free spending, for the next two years within some spending categories that have to be maintained, but there's no debt limit that you have to get under. It's, we're above the limit. We're going to be above the current debt limit. And that is the great trick that Biden pulled off with McCarthy. He ripped away the debt limit. The, the MAGA wanted a 10-year hard cap, hard cap, and then under the hard cap, cut democratic social policy spending over the next 10 years. They got a two-year, not even a soft cap, no cap at all, and major policies that are important to Joe Biden, all the ones I just, talk, I just talked about for the, that he just got in place for the next two years, they're all protected and preserved. He didn't get his $80 million to shore up the IRS, but he got 60 billion. 60 million, uh, billion. Yeah, billion. a billion, yeah. I said million. He got 60 billion, which is pretty darn good. Now, is he going to be able to do another major initiative, you know, like another like like another social program in the next two years? No. But frankly, in the last two years, presidents don't get a lot of major things done domestically to begin with. But everything else, funding his if we just fund all of Joe Biden's current policies, we're in good shape. Yeah. If they don't this, get ripped away, is which is what he preserved. 2025. So he doesn't have to worry it, about it again before. Absolutely. An election, beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So he won. But, but the one last thing before, Jessica, you go on with your, your your story. This is a reflection of why you elect somebody with 50 years of experience. Absolutely. Who was both both our nation's youngest senator and oldest president. That's the guy or the person that gets this done and tells his people around him, don't gloat. Don't spike the ball on the five yard line. Also, Don't say this. Say it's bipartisan. It'll yeah. help us. It's not bipartisan. This also was pro someone who knows Democrats. the hustle. 
He knows Biden knows the hustle. I mean, this is a man who took like I say, this as someone who's lived in New York and taken like five different modes of transportation to get to work, you know, like trained bus to walk five blocks. You know, (laughs) Joe Biden took a train every single day from Delaware to D.C. I mean, this is this is somebody who's actually just living the grit of a real life who knows what that life is. I mean, Donald Trump, one of the biggest cons that I bought into when I followed him was that he was like this man of the people, you know, this billionaire who somehow related to people who were struggling every day. This this Donald Trump was no, you know, no hero for for the forgotten man. Joe Biden's the real hero for the forgotten man. Joe Biden has actually lived a life of struggle. I think he was, I don't know the stats exactly, but I think for some time he was the poorest member of the Senate. His uh, Jill Biden, Dr. Biden worked as a community um, college professor during, I mean, they try to paint this, this hardworking, loving family who has gone through struggles like we all have, who has endured immense grief as a crime family. And then they attack him as he is as successful and deft as a president as he is for tripping. By the way, in Colorado Springs, which is 7,000 feet above sea level, the air is very thin. He sat there for Uh, the handing out of 900 diplomas at the Air Force Academy and what? gave a speech to them. What? I mean, why don't we? Who, who, yeah. who in this universe? I'm. Sh- I, I guess all the people on Fox News are ascended. They've never tripped in their lives. Over, I, uh, I trip like twice a week. <laughs> at least. <laughs> and I'm not well, why don't we show the clip? And but I don't. I, I can't. So I can't stump salty. But why don't we show the clip at some point of Donald Trump tiptoeing down? Um, and uh, 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 a path uh, to off of, I think it was Air Force One or was off a stage. And he, if you didn't know what he was doing, you would have thought this guy just got out of a mental hospital. He was like, like, okay, listen, these guys are both uh, how how Donald Trump can play the ageism card. I have no idea. He's overweight. He's out of shape. He looks terrible. He's only a few years younger than Joe Biden, and yet he acts like he's the hale and hearty one every time he gives you know anytime he gives some sort of speech. But but Joe Biden, okay, this was candy baby Joe Biden. He took candy from the baby on this debt ceiling resolution. And there's no other. He's not going to tell you that because it's not because he's modest, because he needs he needed the votes. Now he can crow. Now he can brag about it. And that's so wise, too. That is so wise. I mean, that is you do not gloat about beating your your enemy when you're trying to get something for that your I don't want to say your enemy your opponent for the greater good. I mean he is so he I mean it takes someone with his disposition. Can you imagine Donald Trump having the patience or even somebody like Ron DeSantis the clown and juvenile like you said that he is to have the patience to work through something and it's why is it? It's because Joe Biden is not in it for himself. He's in it for the greater good. This is something that's like always in the back of my mind. These fascists, these dividers, they always want you to think that we're in a zero sum game. DeSantis is like, I'm talking, I'm thinking about how many ticks I can get on my scorecard, how many wins. It's not about that. When we when when gen, when we genuinely win, like I've said in, you know, my legal battles against Trump, my wins are 
I think of them as a non-zero-sum game. What blesses one blesses all. Ultimately, people might have to suffer consequences or for their wrongdoing, but in the end, even that punishment is a benefit to them. I've talked about this so many times with you know accountability for Trump. It's the greatest gift that he's never been given. But it's not a zero-sum game. And someone like Joe Biden can do this. Why? Because he's not a selfish person. He actually is in this as a public servant who has a higher calling and a higher intention for the country. Um, I wanted to play just because so much attention was on that silly fall, which, by the way, who the heck placed that sandbag there? We're watching you, Secret Service. We're watching you. But that I guy's fired, some, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I want to shine some light on some of the very beautiful words that uh, Joe Biden shared with that graduating class at the Air Force Academy yesterday. Let's play the clip. And to all the faculty and staff here at the Academy for your dedication and commitment in shaping the next generation of American air power and space power. And thank you to all the parents and families and sponsor families out there in the stands. You supported these cadets throughout their lives. You taught them how to stand up, never bow, never bend, never yield. You inspired them to put integrity first. Choose service over self. Sounds like hyperbole, but it's literally what you did. Pursue excellence in all they do. But I know you're bursting with pride at what they've already accomplished. So graduates, give your families a round of applause. Stand up and give them a round of applause. Show them your appreciation. Have you ever uh, climbed mountains in Colorado, Popak? No, but I've been in those high altitude places. I've been in you know places like that, and um, the air is it can be disorienting, especially yeah. when you first get there. You have when I got my first time to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, I had this just numb headache from the altitude for for like the good half a day, and you know he's he's moving from below sea level on the Potomac to this location. Yep. At, at any age, I mean, if I see people in our chat, like somebody just said, I'm 47 in a klutz. I trip every day. I I do too. I fell recently, you know, and I consider myself in, in, in good health and good shape. I fell here at my property, you know, my house and I separated my, um, I tore a rotator cuff, Ooh. just taking a picture of something in my backyard. <laughs> okay. Does that disqualify me from the presidency? Yeah, Probably. But My favorite, my favorite, these are my favorite kinds. I love wedge shoes. This is this is the kind of shoe that if I can find them, I, this is my favorite kind of shoe to wear. But I trip on these friggin' things all the time, all the time. I don't know. Should I we should I hold up? My, should I hold up my flip flop that I'm wearing right now? I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, no. But he's yeah he's. Uh, the attacks on him are so ugly. They're so unchristian. They're so unchristian. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. And by the way, Popak, if at any point in the next few minutes, if you have any questions for me that you might have, and I bet our luminaries would like to have the answers to, feel free to feel free to shoot them at me because well, I've know, been I've, shooting yeah, the questions at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I want to turn it back to you because I've never had a chance sort of to talk and interview you in a setting like this. So that's a good one. So you you made a comment where you said you were you were originally attracted to work for his campaign and for him because you thought you saw him as somebody that was for the unforgotten, the, you know, the, 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 the little man. Yeah. And, and what was it about his, what, like, 
what what was that? Because I knew him from New York, so I knew that was all yeah. a charade. You really knew him. Yeah. yeah. But but I know he he's he it's the greatest, you know, what do they say? The greatest uh trick the devil ever played is to is to yeah. uh, is to say that he, that he doesn't exist. So what was the trick that he played? Because you're a super smart, you know, lovely person and, and you fell for it. And so yeah. as did as did millions and millions and, and they still fall for it. What was it about him that was so um, interesting to you that you wanted to work for him? One of the really pernicious things, Michael, um, you know, this victim card that Trump plays and it's, it's, it works in so many ways because it, first of all, it has shielded him from accountability for so long. This, this playing of the victim, playing the victim and, you know, pushing back and just acting like everything's a witch hunt. But the other thing that that victim card did, and this is, like I said, really per pernicious, really evil a lot of us out here have have struggled in our lives, okay, have dealt with really difficult circumstances. Um, I'm not a coal miner from West Virginia or a truck driver, and you know I don't have I don't have maybe the struggles of the stereotypical Trump supporter, but I've had some real struggles in my life. And what his victim card did in the most pernicious way was it kind of co-opted my struggles. And it was like, oh, he's struggled like I've struggled. And I and I know I wasn't alone in this. I know a lot of people um, took, they, they let him be them. They let him serve as a replacement for them and their struggles in a way that he has never struggled. I mean, he hasn't come any, I will never forget. I will never forget when I was a Trump supporter saying to a friend back in it was either 2015 or 2016 saying something like, oh, but Donald Trump has dealt with so much in his life. You know, he's thought he's dealt with all these bankruptcies and everything. And he's always fought back and come. And my friend said something like, oh, to have the struggles of Donald Trump, because my friend knew that Donald Trump is, first of all, anything that any of his quote unquote struggles or hardships were self-inflicted because he's a con artist. This was the, you know, failure of imagination and education on my part and millions of Americans to understand this um, on along with the propaganda that misled us that we were inundated with constantly. Um, but it was it was me relating myself which is something that Donald Trump never even remotely deserved from me or anyone else who has dealt with real struggle in their life. Me relating to him and saying, oh, look, he's being falsely accused. He's dealing with all these attacks from all the all angles. And, um, you know, I've been through that, too. So I get it. And he's going to be a fighter for people like me. Isn't that tragic? <coughs> I've never that that is well it's it's tragic but you it's so poignant for you to point I've never heard somebody in your position and now a recovering former <laughs> Trump person um express it just the way that you just did so eloquently and so from the heart and from your emotional composition um which really explains a lot ba using that using your sort of inside knowledge of of Trump we, you know, we, you hear Mark Milley talk about it as Hitler in the bunker or the Reichstag moment yeah. um, as another comparison. Knowing his psychosis the way you, you know it, having beaten him in lawsuits the way you have, um, what, what is, what do you think is going on in his mind right now as 
the convergence, to continue our theme today, your theme today, the convergence on him of all of the walls closing in from all of these indictments. He can go raise all the money he wants, talking about Judge Juan Marchand's daughter or Alvin Bragg in a baseball bat. You know, okay, it's fodder for making money, but it doesn't, it, he's going to get convicted by, he's going to be prosecuted, indicted, and convicted by juries. What's going on with his mind right now? Is there an exit strategy for him? He's painted himself into this corner. Does he, is he thinking about how to get out of it or does he just think, I'm just going to take it, all these arrows, I'm going to become president one day, and I'm going to get pardoned. I'll pardon myself. What is going on in his, in his own psychosis? <laughs> well, <laughs> to borrow, to borrow a, a comparison from, from my mother, have you ever seen uh, Christmas Vacation, Michael? Of, co of course. Of course. Okay, so you know the scene, <laughs> you know the scene where, uh, where they bring out the turkey? Or I think it's yeah, right, and it looks it's great, table. like a Nor and like they, a Norman Rockwell they photo. Is, they pop it open, and there's nothing inside. Yeah, I love that. My mother, my yeah. mother describes Trump as that turkey. <laughs> <laughs> he looks great. He looks like a Norman Rockwell painting until you cut into it. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I but like I will go. I will go. I'll give him a, a tiny bit more credit because I think anyone living and breathing um, is proof that there is hope for enlightenment. Okay, if we're alive there's hope for us. So to the extent that, that Donald Trump is alive and there's hope for this man to have that empty shell of a human filled with something real, um, I think I, I, I think that um, I'm no psychologist or, or psychiatrist, nor do I want to be one, but um, he's never had, he surrounds himself with sycophants, okay? This is something I learned very quickly on the Trump campaign. I mean, I played in it to my, uh, myself. Or the day I wrote on Trump Force One, you know, I was sitting next to Donald Trump telling him how great he did in that first debate where he really bombed. It's, it's a, it's a um, poisonous kind of uh, inducing environment that only allows people that are around him to tell him what he wants to hear. And that's why, you know, that's why you see someone like Boris Epstein surviving in his legal circle when he's such when he's so ineffective and all the other lawyers hate him because Boris Epstein is telling Trump what Trump wants to hear. And so Boris Epstein is staying close to Donald Trump. So I think that the tragedy from just a purely human and social standpoint for Donald Trump is that his his mentality is not going to change until he gets real accountability. I think he is just going to continue to um, execute what are for him the defense tactics, these um, you know coping strategies, if I were a psychologist, maybe I'd classify him that way, that he has used his whole life to, um, to avoid confronting himself, to avoid learning who he is as a human being, being. I mean, it's so tragic. From childhood, this man was not given the discipline that he needed to have self-knowledge and growth. I mean, that this is like a key component of living, the ability to recognize our own mistakes and acknowledge them so we can then separate the, the malicious behavior from ourselves and grow as human beings. This man at his age, the decades he has spent on this earth has never had that opportunity. And I really don't think that he's having he's he's having any kind of greater self-awareness at this point. I think he's just 
continuing to dig into the tactics that he's he has um you know relied on his whole life because he doesn't know any better and because he doesn't have any tragically any real friends or yeah. loyalists you know that term is so misused he doesn't have any real loyalists if anybody was really loyal to him and i'm not saying this because i'm like i've said before i'm not personally invested in the spiritual growth of donald trump but if he had any real loyalists or friends surrounding him they would they would have helped him at this point to stop this self self-destructive behavior and maybe you know what maybe if even if he had if he was surrounded he's so dug in that the only thing and this is the clincher michael the only thing that is going to save this man from a human perspective is accountability, which is why I said I'll flip the script on these people who want to call it a witch hunt all day long. Accountability is such a needed gift. It's actually salvation. It's the path to salvation for this man who has never engaged in repentance or, or reformatory thought that would save him. So actually experiencing a jail cell, solitude, being forced to confront his own thoughts and examine some sense of identity that he has literally never had to his entire life, the greatest gift in the world. So I don't think, I don't think to answer your question, Michael, he's doing much different in this moment at this time than he has yeah. before. Um, but I think that's about to change. Yeah, I'm. I'm so glad I asked that question because that was uh, no, no, because that was such a, um, a a unique and spot on analysis of what's going on with him and and the pull away of anybody that was around that is around him, just to show you what love means in that family. The reporting is that after Eugene Carroll and the uh, uh, jury verdict against him, the first thing that his wife the former first lady, the one that some people think was the greatest first lady that we've ever had, was it to put her arm around him and console him and say, I believe you, honey. No, the reporting is that she has hired another lawyer and she has jacked up her prenuptial and she will not return to the White House or the campaign trail. Yeah. And she held him up, you know, the, uh, you may not may or may not know about this, but the kind of insider reporting in New York that I had access to is that she held him up for hostage. She was not going to the White House. The reason she stayed in New York and didn't go to the White House initially was not because Barron was in school. It's because she didn't have her deal in place um, because she didn't really want to be the first lady. And she did it again. I heard she's now upped it. She's doubled it or she's not going to support him. Don Jr., People think Hunter Biden on his laptop. Who cares? Watch this guy in action and the drugs that he must be doing in order to opt to act this way. Mm -hmm. So he's just Hunter Biden. Bad. Hunter Biden was nearly suicidal, and he made right. comments. You know that he, he knew Biden, that. Yeah, I mean, it's so so disgusting. Hunter Biden lost his mother in a tragic car accident yeah. when he was a child, and I'm not sure he ever recovered from that. Yeah. Donald Trump Jr. has had rose petals thrown in his path since he yes. came out of the womb and he's never had to suffer at all and he's just he's like the id for donald i never thought i thought i thought donald trump was the id don jr is worse um and so his ranting is not helpful 
nor compassionate, as you said, to to bring Donald Trump off the ledge because Don Jr. is standing on the ledge right next to him. Eric Trump has sort of disappeared. And Ivanka, who was his, and I use this phrase, I know it creeps people out, his, his girlfriend daughter, she's completely, she's tired of being the girlfriend daughter and she's decided to buy daddy and move to Miami and you don't see her at all. So he With her billions no from Saudi Arabia, from Jared. Absolutely, right? from Jared. Yeah. So he has no one around him that real, mommy and daddy are long gone. The only one that could talk sense in, into him from the, from the, biographies and autobiographies it was fred fred trump his father who's who, and his mother who who ran that household with an iron fist and they're long gone you know he's the man the man's in his late 70s so you're right the the path to redemption here is is filled with broken glass and he is not willing to walk through it yeah well on that theme of humanity i just want to <laughs> end because it's <sighs> We're, we're, we're celebrating our victories. We're celebrating getting closer to this uh, this needed, <laughs> this non-zero-sum game, game justice for Donald Trump. And we have just some really, really hateful, dangerous, um, horrific, horrific laws um, being enacted. I don't know if you heard about this, Michael, or I actually do, of course, know you heard about it. You told me more about it. This anti-gay law in Uganda that includes the death penalty as a punishment for what they quote aggravated homosexuality. It was already a crime to be gay in Uganda um, since the 50s um, under British colonial rule, but this is now heightened um, sentence to the death penalty. And um, I think we just really need to understand these are the effects. I try to draw the connections on this show on not just seeing the attacks to democracy and humanity in this country and freedom in this country, but that it has repercussions all around the world. The world is watching. I've talked before about Myanmar and how that coup was inspired by Trump. I think Belarus did, failed to loosen itself from the grips of Lukashenko, Putin's puppet, because of also being inspired by Trump's false election claims. Um, and then you have the likes of Ron DeSantis and this hateful, don't say gay, anti-woke, whatever the hell that means, legislation to score political points, um, influencing this, these horrific, antiquated, regressive laws and inspiring and really giving a permission structure. They, this is what they are doing by the free world, leaders of the free world, one of the two major political parties in this country saying it's okay to attack people's identity and humanity this way. They give a permission structure to the worst actors around the globe to bring communities and societies back decades. Yeah, I mean, and you saw it with uh, Bolsonaro in, in Brazil, who, yeah. who his own people even tried to stay mini a mini version of, of Jan 6 afterwards. I mean, they, it was crushed by the Brazilian police pretty quickly because they were ready for it. But you, you, I like the permission structure approach there that you've adopted because it's so right. You just, it, it, this is the reason that, that America has to be the moral superpower and peace in the world because of countries like Uganda, because of places like the former Soviet Union and the dictators that reside there. Um, if we're not doing our part, along with our allies, but really us, a counterweight to tyranny as a counterweight 
to dictatorship and to and to oppression and suppression around the world no one else will we are a beacon we are the light to continue your your theme of your show we are the light for someone sitting in a dark hut in africa or or in another or myanmar as you said or in belarus and i have friends in, in a number of those places and they look to us and they shake their heads when donald trump was occupying the oval office because that's not what america is supposed to be about i mean i I stumped a Republican the other day in conversation. We were having a nice conversation. But he said he, he was doing a talking point with me instead of anything thoughtful. He said, why are we spending so much money that could be better in, in Ukraine, that could be better spent in America? I said, what in America isn't being invested in? What program isn't being invested in that you'd like to see us invested in because of a dollar that's sent to Ukraine? And there was this long silence because his talking point and his, his little card from Fox didn't go that far. Yeah. And the answer I said to him, there is none, because we can do both. We can be the moral center and super police and help a country from being overrun by tyranny and by Putin. And we can do our domestic agenda at the same time, because that's our country. That's yeah. why we are it's the all connected. other than it's all connected. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And some of those fighters back and we are winning and we are turning the tide and we have the power. Like I always say, the power is in our hands. We just have to know that we have it. The minute that we wake up and those lights go on for us, our power is unleashed. I actually did an interview this week uh, with superstar Democratic Tennessee Representative Gloria Johnson, member of the Tennessee Three. So um, I hope our luminaries will stay tuned over the weekend. We're going to put that interview out with State Representative Gloria Johnson. She is seriously considering taking on Marsha Blackburn for the U.S. Senate seat. Marsha Blackburn, by the way, was one of the Republicans who voted no on the the deal to um, keep us from economic calamity and not raise the debt ceiling. So I'm really excited to share that with you and get you let you hear from Representative Johnson. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for coming on to me with me today. Real Such a Real honor and pleasure informative con conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to come back. And, and we, we had you on Legal AF with Karen and me, and we'd love to have you back. And this, yeah, as you said, this having is Karen so, here too. <laughs> summer of love and justice and uh, shining a light and transparency and accountability. And, yes. um, you know, we, we the, the, the brothers founded the network in the nick of time. And, <laughs> um, and Ben and I founded Legal AF in the nick of time, found Karen in the nick of time. We found you in the nick of time. And now, um, and we have people, our audience that is like-minded and um, and needs what you're doing, needs what we're doing every day and every week. I and mean, I can't tell you how many uh, tweets and social media and reach, reach outs I get, and I'm sure you do too, that yeah. says, you make me feel better yeah. every day. And my anxiety is lower because yeah. of what I hear on your <laughs> network. Yeah, those those kind of messages bring tears to my eyes. And even, you know, sometimes I'm I'm struggling a lot with all of these, the, the, putting this podcast on the legal battles and everything else I'm dealing with. And I get those messages and I'm just like, oh, my God, you 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 totally make it worth it for me to do this and to remind me why I am. So thank you, everybody. Thank you to our luminaries for joining us today. As a reminder, I'm, I'm still fighting Donald Trump. We just wrapped up the deposition of Steve Bannon. We are now on on schedule to have my trial, my my 
inception lawsuit against the Trump campaign that's responsible for getting the NDA invalidated. That will go on the calendar um, in the very next few months in the state of New York, New York Supreme Court. If you would like to help us with that fight, we would absolutely love it and we need your help. It's at thejessicadenson.com slash donate. It's thejessicadenson.com slash donate. Thank you, as always, for your support. It is beautiful and very helpful to us. Um, until next week, we love you so much. Join us over the weekend for that interview with Gloria Johnson, and be well and wonderful. We love your luminaries and the Midas Mighty. Bye-bye. <laughs>